You're listening to Riverview Church Conversations, a podcast for the spiritually curious. Welcome to the Riverview Church Podcast, everyone. Thanks for joining us. My name is Reese Michelle, and I am here with my friend, Ryan. Oh, thanks, Reese. Good to be together once again. And of course, a warm welcome to everybody listening along. If you haven't joined with us for conversations before, we're excited that you're here. And this really, more than anything, is a space for us to ask big questions of faith and life. Um, it's a space for us to embrace the wrestle at times. Um, and try and hold intention, uh, a robust theology with a deep spirituality. We, we say that this is a podcast for the spiritually curious. And so we want to um, create that space to ask big questions without judgment and figure it out as we go. Mm. Now, of course, we like starting off with the most hard hitting of questions. And Reese, I want to ask you if you could have one movie playing on repeat forever in your household, what would it be? Oh, well, that's easy. BMX Bandits. Wow, haven't seen it myself. Oh, you've got to. It's it's uh, it is Nicole Kidman's acting debut. Wow, and the plot goes something like this: uh, a bunch of little teenage <laughs> BMXs stumble upon uh, some walkie-talkies, which are crucial to a crime gang's next heist, and so they get entangled in this web of intrigue. And there's lots of BMX stunts. Wow, and it's yeah, I, I highly recommend it. I know what I'll be watching when I get home. You should. <laughs> So, Ryan, enough talk about BMX Bandits. (laughs) How have you been? Uh, Yeah, I'm doing pretty well. Uh, I think more recently, as many of you would know, the the news here in WA has changed slightly and we have increased, uh, relaxed our restrictions to 10 people being able to spend some time together, which is good. So so last night we had a family night with the Gagler household and, you know, good food, free meal. So How many people did you have? We had eight. (laughs) We were in the clear, Reese. So yeah, I'm doing I'm doing well. I think um, to be honest, I don't I don't feel as though I'm quite ready for things to be over. I know that sounds a little strange, but uh, every day is a school day, and I feel like I still have a lot more to learn. Um, and just enjoying the the change in pace of things. Now, of course, that there's some significant things going on, which is is not good. But I think I'm just enjoying the moment that we find ourselves in, and probably not ready for it to change just yet. Mm. You said every day is a school day. I wish there were a few more school days in the past <laughs> the couple of weeks. Eh? Oh, struggle, man. Real. Uh, August, my five-year-old, is uh, losing his mind. <laughs> uh, I don't, I've, I've had a lot more uh, trips to the park, that's for sure. Mm. And he just kind of benefits so much from not being cooped up inside the house. So I'm looking forward to whatever day it is that he goes back to school mm. um, in the very short future, in the very near future. I so you've it's... been assuming the role of teacher as well. Oh, not really. We've kind of just thrown all that out the window, really. We, we, <laughs> we got a little take home, do schoolwork from home thing, but he's five. So it's, you yeah. know, he kind of ripped through it in about half an hour. And, and then it's BMX bandits. BMX bandits. <laughs> it's um, uh, Hot Wheels cars. It's on the swing. It's bike rides. It's, it's all learning. The football. It's large amounts of ABC kids. Very good. But yeah, it's, it's, been, it's been a time. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I'm a serious introvert. Mm. I like downtime. I like mm. being inside. I like being with a small crew, but it's probably time to, to get out a bit more, let's be honest. Mm, that's fair. That's fair. Now, yeah. Reese, tell us a little bit about your family. Um, this week's 
topic of conversation is around parenting. Mm. Tell us a little bit about your family. Yes, I am a parent. I'm also a husband. Um, uh, I'm married to Bonnie and we've been married almost 10 years, 10 years this year. Mm, wow. And we have two kids. We have August, who is five, and Violet, who is somewhere between one and two. <laughs> and they're both flexing their uh, their personality muscles at mm. the moment. It is it's a definite vibe in the household. Mm. Um, I'd love to say that it's been nonstop enjoyment while they've all been at home, but there's been some trying times. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure I've been um, handling some moments of the crisis very well, but this there has been. <laughs> I'm learning that g- going out to the park again is actually not. Not that bad. Mm-hmm. Could be much worse. It's true. You know, um, try, trying to appreciate the the more humble things in life mm. rather than the kind of the big mountaintop moments, you know. Because, I mean, patiently the kids enjoy it. Mm. They love it. Mm. They're, they're so pumped and they come home and they're so – it's like their tank has been filled every time mm. we go to the park. It's like cherished so, memories for them. Yeah, I think so. So mm. I'm, I'm trying to keep that in mind and try not to let my buzzing phone in my pocket distract me from kicking the football. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. I'm not sure um, – yeah, I, I don't know if I have a handle on the the parenting in crisis thing, but um, I suppose that's why we've we've got our guest on the show today, Dr. Asher Bowen. Mm. Dr. Asher Bowen is has a list of credentials a mile long. If you look at her uh, LinkedIn profile, <laughs> you will see the letters after her name. It's basically pretty much the entire alphabet. Um, but if I could summarize that, Dr. Asher Bowen is a pediatrician specializing in infectious diseases, mm. and she's also a member of our of Riverview Church community. Yeah, connect group leader. Mm, powerful. Mm. Now, I'm excited for this conversation as well. I, I'm obviously not a parent. Maybe one day it will be a parent. But I um, do lead in our generations area. So I have like 600 spiritual oh, <laughs> sons many, and daughters. Many. Many sons and daughters. Uh, but I'm really excited for this conversation as well, just to get a bit of an insight as to some of the big questions we've been asking, um, you know, throughout this crisis. How do you talk to kids about crisis? How do you lead kids or younger people through crisis when you yourself are still going through it. I mean, that's significant questions, um, not just about parenting, but just about (laughs) life life in general. general. (laughs) And so I'm really excited for this conversation today as well. Welcome, Asha Bowen, to our conversation. Thanks for joining us today. Oh, it's great to be able to. I'm looking forward to it. We've spoken a little bit before the interview about your credentials. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself, what you like to do, how you spend your time. Obviously, you're a, you're a pediatrician, but you're probably much more than just a pediatrician. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so, yeah, I'm Asha. I'm an um, infectious diseases pediatrician at the Children's Hospital here in Perth. And so I get to spend a lot of my time taking care of children with some... Um, some really significant infections and helping them to get better, which is probably, in my mind, the best job you can possibly have in the world because <laughs> wow. um, I really like working with kids and families to um, help problem solve when they're in the midst of that health crisis and help them to get through it. So that's a bit of my one of my jobs. Um, I also work as a researcher, and so I do a lot of research at the Telephone Kids Institute um, for children and to make sure that we um, really try and 
have kids out there, healthy kids, healthy families mm. um, is our, um, I guess, organisational um, vision. And um, it, that's uh, something that's very close to my heart. So from a, um, a bedside role to also a research role to actually inform evidence for how we treat things like um, COVID-19 or other infections. So um, I have those roles. Um, I think, though, that my favourite thing is being a wife and a mum and having, um, I guess, a, a wonderful family who um, support me and um, we, I guess, navigate life together. Yeah. We're, um, we're obviously in interesting times. You've mentioned the COVID-19 thing, which is, you know, it's brought about great change for all of us. I imagine the last 60 days or so for you have looked quite unique. Would you be able to tell us, tell us what you've been up to? Um, it has been a very, I think everyone has this remarkable time kind of experience, nothing like you've ever done before. Um, as a, I guess, infectious disease specialist, I was very early on fascinated by um, this pandemic as it was emerging and trying to read as much as possible about it. And mm. I, I think wondering whether it really were sort of seeing something that was just going to fizzle out um, and be a bit like SARS 15 years ago, which I can remember. It hasn't played out like that. And so a month into it, the being part of a health system has meant that um, we've rapidly had to turn around our processes and um, make sure that we're ready to care for um, um, kids and adults who have COVID and to, to really learn from what was happening globally as um, transmission of this virus spread beyond, I guess, China where it started and um, try and learn from those um, horrifying scenes in healthcare, um, particularly in Europe, um, in the US, in Iran, um, and try and prevent that from happening here in Australia. So rapidly working with the hospital, but also working, I guess, at a public health level and a um, research level, trying to think about what are the um, key questions that we need to answer? How do we um, prepare to um, learn from this experience in real time? So um, <clears throat> that's been really important, as well as juggling, you know, working from home, which I'm doing yeah. today. And how do you be a doctor at home? And um, how do you maintain all of your teams that you're responsible for um, working from home? So it's challenges that are familiar, I think, to everyone who's listening, as well as, I guess, that additional um, healthcare preparedness. And um, it's been a really solid time of um, working through anxiety um, and recognising anxiety in our um, healthcare workers and in our staff and um, in ourselves um, and trying to, um, wherever possible, bring it down a notch, be reassuring, provide data and advice that's supportive and not judgmental. Um, and I guess I've often been thinking about, we had a sermon a few weeks ago about peace and how that piece can really show up in those moment-to-moment -moment interactions. And when it doesn't, why doesn't it? And where yeah. can I find it again? Because both of those things definitely happen in my world. It's a, it's a very real world. Mm, well, I think it would just be a great opportunity, Asha, for us just on behalf of our church just to say a huge thank you to you and all of the people on the front line as healthcare workers, um, obviously, at the moment doing a huge amount but always serving us and and caring for us in an amazing way so we did want to just take a moment to kind of take our hats off if we yeah, were wearing them you. to you um, and say thank you for all you're doing um thanks uh, and I, I definitely think that shout out to all healthcare workers um across wa is a huge one because mm. it has been um 
personally and professionally lots of work because we care so deeply for the health of our community and that we want to make sure we provide that safe and best possible care. And I think because of the support of the community in really embracing isolation, embracing social distancing, embracing schools being closed and coping with working from home amidst the craziness has led us to this position now that we're in in WA where um, we're not seeing very many new cases of, of, of COVID. So um, as much as the healthcare worker um, workforce, I think, needs to be thanked, I think also it's, it's a, a right back at you that we can't do our job unless you're doing those things and we really appreciate that. Yeah, it's been nice to see kind of um, the collective banding together and actually doing what is right, you know, rather than what people want necessarily. You know, it's, I've, I've been quite glad to see that. Um, but while we've got you, like, I feel like there are just some common things that the parents are saying to one another and no one has the answers. And you, I wonder if you might have a couple of things that you might be able to help us out with. Don't want to spit like labor the point because I know if we really wanted to find out some info, we probably could Google it ourselves. But while we got you, are kids getting it? Are they getting sick? Are they carrying it? If my kid has a pre-existing condition, you know, like all of that, all of that type of stuff, should I be sending my kid to school? Those are the kind of the things that are, I think parents are bandying around. Would you be able to like shed any light on those type of questions for us? Those are my favourite questions. So thank you so much for asking. Yeah. <laughs> so I think the things that we do know are that children are remarkably underrepresented in COVID-19 cases across the globe, mm. not just in Australia, where um, there's been fewer than 130 children in Australia under 15 who've um, actually been diagnosed with yeah, COVID-19. Wow. So it's really small, disproportionately small compared to the proportion that they hold in the population. So I think that's number one. Um, some people wonder whether that's because they have fewer symptoms. And we know that kids have much milder experience of, of COVID than um, adults do. And so maybe they're just not being tested and picked up. Um, yeah, right. We know from some really good studies, in fact, that um, in Iceland, when they looked at a whole bunch of um, asymptomatic kids and did testing on them, and they were sort of randomly chosen kids, um, they didn't find any cases. So I think that's also reassuring. It's not necessarily been done yet in Australia, but I think that that for parents to know that it's a mild disease, kids are not getting as infected as adults are, and that um, it's probable that those who are asymptomatic and not infected is reassuring. Um, but it's it's a story that we're still un unpicking. So it's um, as scientists, we have to continue to grapple with all of those questions and provide the knowledge um, to families. Um, to reassure and that sort of thing. We haven't in Australia had any children admitted to hospital that have had severe illness. Um, I think globally the numbers have been admitted to hospital in, in childhood are very low um, and globally the number of, uh, I guess, deaths in childhood that have been reported are very low, probably under 10 when you add together both the, um, the scientific literature and the media reports. Um, it's a bit hard to get an exact estimate on that number, yeah. but it's, um, it's very reassuring. And so I think that the biggest message is that um, for, at this time for parents, um, the kids are okay. Um, the children's hospital are really ready to care for um, your kids if we need to, um, but the, this is not a big problem for kids. That doesn't mean that it's not scary. It doesn't mean that um, we don't need to be working to protect our grandparents and our elders and making yeah. sure that they're taken care of. Um, I think with the return to school, um, 
which has taken a lot of families by surprise because I think with term two approaching um, parents and families were all prepared for a, a sort of uh, a lockdown experience, a, a term two at home, online learning and that sort of thing. And the return to school, I think, has raised a lot of um, concerns. I think there's some other facts that I know. One of those facts that I know is that um, children don't tend to um, cross-infect each other with COVID. So right. um, it's a little bit unusual because mm. almost every other respiratory virus, like the flu every winter, kids are just a cesspool and they just yeah, infect yeah. each other <laughs> left, right and centre. COVID doesn't play like that and we don't know why. I think that's something really curious and I'd love to find out more so that we can learn what to do about how to protect other people. But um, kids don't seem to infect each other and um, we know that in most of the household clusters that we've studied, the uh, disease infection has happened from an adult to a child rather than a child to an adult. So um, when we see flu every year, it almost always goes from kids to adults and um, the kids are the vectors. Um, COVID doesn't behave like that. So I think for those reasons, um, kids are safe to be in schools. Um, I think that the schools have been given really solid advice nationally and also from um, our state of how to um, operationalise it. But I totally appreciate that um, families teaching staff and many in our community are really anxious about this and um, as much as I can reassure I'm trying to but I also realise that it's respectful to acknowledge the um, that level of anxiety and that um, it's real and that we will have to learn about this together mm. and um, we'll go forward with this together. Yeah I mean I think about um, my oldest child my son August he's five and hasn't obviously has been kind of pulled out of school for a little while and it's just a trip for him obviously the parents we're dealing with it on a certain level but all of a sudden kids can't see their friends and they can't see their grandparents and we're talking about this coronavirus thing which is probably strange and they're hearing it on the news and hearing it on the radio and maybe we're expressing our worries to one another Um, I'm just aware that inside his brain is probably it's a lot for a five-year-old to handle and and I feel a bit under-equipped to be able to guide him through that. It's almost like I don't even know how to relate to him about serious topics, not just a global pandemic. Um, you as a pediatrician probably have some good experience at kind of relating to little people and talking to them about things that matter. What are you doing to talk your kids through this time? Um, I, I think that's a great question and I think it's something we all struggle with as parents. Um, our kids got exposed to this because of our real interest in the infection very early and so we probably didn't censor it in front of them as we could have. Um, and so they've been the corona experts in the playground for a yeah, long well. time. Um, and they also have, I guess, um, learnt about it as we've learnt about it um, in a lot of real time and that's had its strengths and weaknesses for a nine and a seven-year-old. We also try, I think, to um, make it make a bit more sense and to explain why the changes happen around us, that, you know, why sport has stopped, why um, they're not going to school and that sort of thing. So I, I think that that has been helpful. I think having that open time to chat about things and we have, a, a, I guess, a habit in our family which is called chat time at night. And so after we, this is not supposed to sound super spiritual, but we read our Bible with the kids and then we pray with them and then we have chat time with each of them um, and then swap beds. So um, pass off to the other um, other child. And I think that's the time when we get to sort of explore some of the things they're worried about, make sure that they're um, 
um, they haven't got any big burning questions and things on their minds that we should um, be addressing with them. And so I, I don't know, it's probably one of our favorite times of the day is chat time. Yeah. And um, that's something we've done since they were little. So I guess it's, it's kind of using your habits and using your routines and thinking about times to check in with, with kids. And um, as a pediatrician, I often have to explain difficult and um challenging topics to young people and their families and to try and make it as um, easy to digest and um, I guess not getting rid of the bad stuff that's there but telling it like it is and also making sure it makes sense and giving room for questions is usually I guess my approach. I suppose what you said earlier a few minutes ago about conveying information or data with no judgment or um, giving space and time without letting your own sense of whatever you're feeling take over. I know like sometimes if August is, I know he's been asking me a lot of questions about, he's seen the visual diagram of the virus on the news and he keeps on asking me questions about, so is it pink and is it green? And what happens when the soap gets in it? Does it just turn to not pink and green anymore? (laughs) It's like, and and I can quite often be like, just don't worry about it. Just I'm just trying to deal with my own stuff right now. (laughs) What you're saying is actually being quite calm and giving them the space to say whatever the question they have, whether it's like an irrational kind of three-year-old question about, Mm. I know August on the way in actually blamed the roadworks on coronavirus. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And, uh, or whether it be a a very real worry, like they can't sleep because of it or they're having a dream or something like that. You know, what you're saying is to do it in a reasonable, give them the space um, to express it um, rather than trying to just shoo it away. Yeah, um, I I definitely think so. And I think you've raised um, an interesting um, thing that's happened in this COVID um, pandemic. And that is that I don't think we've had this level of um, scary all of society experience in the social media world before. And I think that um, we often have adult separate time during the day when we go about our work lives or our the kids are at school and all of that's been brought together in our homes and we've also had social media in our homes as well as you know the news as you've talked about and so it's been um i think a real challenge for us to navigate some of those things and i know i'm certainly um guilty of like scrolling through twitter and going oh my goodness this is like awful and then coming back to oh yeah what was the question you asked me and so that level of distraction and engagement in um the anxiety provoking things that are out there. So um, some of the strategies I've had to use is um, like not look at Twitter before I go to sleep. Mm. Um, not Try not to look at those things when I'm around the kids, when it's their time and um, try and do things as, as normal as possible. And yeah, you're right. Answer the questions because whether coronavirus is green or pink is a really big question. And that's mm. just as important as whether it has knobs on the outside of it yeah. or why it's called coronavirus um, or anything else, or like our, our, as nanny and pa, you know, something bad going to happen to them. Like all yeah. of those questions are really important and need answers to them and us giving them the time and also giving ourselves, um, I guess, that emotional space to be able to be um, as relaxed in answering them as possible has been incredibly challenging during the season. Um, but something that I guess we, we should all continue to, to aspire for and, and try to make space for. Mm. Asha, I, I guess at the moment the... The big issue is coronavirus, but um, we're interested to talk to you about parenting in crisis in general. And obviously you would have a lot of experience um, with families who experience crisis. And I guess I have a question about how do you lead your kids through crisis when you're dealing with it 
yourself. So whether that's um, an illness in the family, um, you know, shocking news, whatever it is, um, obviously you're kind of on the front line of some of that. So as parents, as family members, how do we lead kids through it when we're experiencing it ourselves? Um, yeah, Ryan, I think that's a great question. And I think it's something that we all um, as parents grow and learn about and make mistakes. Um, and that is so okay. Um, like, I don't think any of us um, have arrived with the parents' um, um, certificate. Um, we, we, we learn as we, we go. <laughs> and, uh, I think some of the things that um, we, like Darren and I have talked about, is um, just being able to say, actually, I'm worried here, or this is what's concerning me. And like, I guess showing our emotions um, and that sort of thing in some ways. I often um, find, like you say, if I'm looking at this from a hospital setting as a paediatrician, that um, knowing which conversations to have in front of kids and which conversations need to be for adults and then we think of a way in which we want to take that conversation forward um, is a strategy we use a lot as paediatricians. And I think that's something that's quite helpful for parents as well is that, you know, have a think through about what information is going to be appropriate um, for your child to, to, I guess, receive and um, thinking about, you know, the timeframes around when that can be delivered. So um, that's kind of, I guess, it's, it's a bit about that crisis and um, recognising as well when, you, when you're too anxious or worried to have that conversation that maybe the time's not right and um, you do have to come back to it. Um, it's very rare, though, as a parent, that kids allow you that space. So sometimes you just have to do it on the run, do it scared, and, um, you know, answer their questions to the best of your ability and then come back to it. And so and sometimes you're like, I didn't do a great job on that one. I'm sorry, I might have frightened you a bit more than I should have. I wonder if we can talk about it again and see if we can get to a better answer. Yeah, I suppose in, in this time there's a heightened sense of pressure as parents to get it right, you know, to homeschool my children and do that well so they don't fall behind to, really um, to, yeah, to, yeah. To, to make sure that they're feeling good about things and they're entertained and they're not bouncing off the walls too much and to keep all of my own plates spinning, whether it's work or household. And so it's, um, it's parenting is definitely a lot right now. <laughs> it's totally gone up at, like not a notch, but I reckon about a thousand. <laughs> and um, I think that we um, all are trying to to do our best in that moment. Um, I, I I think that um, we often get told to be kind to ourselves and to um, you know take some space and you know have your own sort of um, self care routines and things like that. Um, as much as that sounds a little bit as I said, it is a mantra. It's actually critical. Um, it, it, it is that taking time with God, taking time um, to um, to settle your soul and to be able to um, to, to parent um, to the best of your ability. And to be honest, I think all our kids really want is our attention and our time and making the time for that to happen, whether it's drawing on the, a rainbow on the pavement or playing handball or learning a new skill or something like that. Um, I took my kids on Monday. I had a day where there was um, meetings and they were staying at home and that's not a common experience in our family. I know a lot of families have navigated this and um, done magnificently at it. And um, I set out a schedule for the day and there was treasure hunts and there was different things that they could do whilst I was in a meeting and then we'd regroup and we play handball and things like that. And I feel as though it's actually been a highlight for them 
because they knew what was coming and they knew how to manage the day, um, which sort of surprised me. But I guess I like my calendar and my schedule and, and that sort of thing. And we ended it with a walk to the park and we went tree climbing. And that was not on the schedule. That was not planned. It was impromptu and it was their highlight for the week. So um, mm-hmm. some of those moments, uh, you know, embrace the magic moments and the, the chaos and um, don't be too hard on yourselves, I think, is um, the thing that I am t- telling myself right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in terms of being kind to oneself, we often do a thing kind of around the halls of Riverview and kind of check in and name how we're going on a scale of one to 10 personally. How, how have you gone through all of this? You have a unique experience and it's been great to hear that experience. Where would you put yourself on that scale in terms of overall? Are you, are you up and down? Are you kind of given your, uh, your job? Are you able to sail through the waves of COVID relatively steadily or what's where would you put yourself yeah no that's a great question I think it changes day by day and it has been much more up and down than I would normally experience um so that and that has taken me by surprise sometimes where I've gone oh my reactions here are more extreme than I think they should be I must be feeling more anxious than I think I am or there's something bothering me um it has been an extraordinarily busy time and um for a while there, the weekends weren't even at an email-free zone, which was really tough um, and exhausting. And so I have felt quite, um, um, I guess, struggled with that. And, yeah, so it has been up and down, but um, I guess the goal has always been to, to, to find the peace and to, um, to, um, to recognise that and, um, and figure out strategies um, for addressing that. Um, I have been very, very grateful for um, the last six or seven months I had some knee surgery and I've been doing physio to recover to be able to run again Mm. and just as COVID hit I was able to run again so um, I was extraordinarily grateful um, for that um, being my sort of um, key stress management activity is to go for a 5k run and to just think and run and enjoy and um, be outside and that just kicked in as COVID um, sort of took off so i i have used that um extensively and um have really enjoyed being able to do that again it's mm, good asher i'm interested to hear about maybe how your faith has held you in good stead throughout this crisis you know what what do you feel like god's been speaking to you about um through your work um i i think it's really been um the the word that keeps coming back to me is peace um and the that god has this under control um, and it might seem out of control at every step of the moment, but he knows something um, bigger than what mm. I can comprehend. And um, I guess trusting in that. And but that's fluctuated a lot. <laughs> like, yeah. it, it doesn't always. Yeah, that, yeah. that sounds like oh yeah, she's got it under control. And totally not. That might be me above the surface and um, an internal conversation going on at the same time going but it's all a big crazy mess and how are we going to find our way out of this and what's going to happen next and um, Mm. a lot of those um, fears and that sort of thing. Um, I think that um, I'm an extrovert and I love being with people and I love coming to church. And so doing church online has um, been a challenge. Mm. Um, I think it's a challenge that we've all faced really well together and Mm. I appreciate every every week when um, we get told, I think, Ryan, you've said it many times, don't multitask. Don't multitask. <laughs> yeah, it's because <laughs> I'm guilty. Um, I'm a multitasker and um, <laughs> that has, I think, been um, helpful. And um, 
I, I, I do think that we can probably, um, if, if, if now is a season where people are um, quieter than usual um, because their, their businesses are not um, as active or um, there's, there's a little bit more quietness, then absolutely I think taking time with God is, um, hopefully there's opportunities for that. For me, it's like getting um, a, a quick fix on a regular basis and um, I've realised I'm very much driven by um, achievement goals and so, you know, the Bible app and getting a strike every day for reading my verse <laughs> um, is a core driver and um, I have been um, pushing through with that one as well. So um, if anyone else is like me and, and you know, being real, that um, those verses help and but probably um, the quick fixes are not the whole answer. So I think mm-hmm. I probably do need a season of, um, of of calm and relax as well. Is there light at the end of the tunnel? Are you now that things are kind of we've been going on through this for a, a number of weeks now? Do you sense that, or is everyone in the medical community still on high alert that this is not just because things are trending downwards or looking more promising that we're still going to be on on guard for a long time? I think it's the latter. I think that we are very reassured by the um, um, the great results that we have had in Australia from um, all of the, I guess, public policy that's been put in place and the fact that we've embraced church online and not meeting together and all of that sort of thing. Um, but I do think that we are very much wanting to continue to be prepared um, for more cases and for... Um, I guess the health system to be able to respond and not see some of that acute crisis that happened in health systems globally. So I don't think that we're um, completely um, calm as yet um, in, in, in the hospitals, but uh, I think there's a sense of um, we're, we're, we're still in preparation mode in some ways and so still quite busy um, but um, I guess there is some calm coming, I hope. I feel greatly reassured. I feel like I'm going to go home and play the rough edit of this podcast to my wife immediately. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Asha, thank you so much for joining with us today. Um, again, this conversation has been greatly illuminating and we're hoping that everyone that listens to it will walk away with just a, um, a greater sense of wisdom and and almost a courage to go and, and handle this in our families and in our communities. Oh, you're welcome. I hope it's helpful. Um, I also know that it's it's this is so real and so so raw for all of us. And um, the if anything I've said has um you know upset or caused fear or anything like that, then I'm happy to to talk about it again. Um, send questions to Ryan or to Reese, and um, they can get in touch with me. But I like I. I do really appreciate that these are really difficult times and um, um, please don't um, don't stress out alone please call out for help if you if you do need um, support oh wow Reese thoughts oh man I feel greatly reassured uh, <laughs> I think just talking to someone who kind of has skin in the game and mm. knows what they're talking about is reassuring to me even though this it's obviously an evolving situation asha talking with asha allowed me to mm. almost breathe in or breathe out or whichever way you prefer rather than talking to myself 
and listening to the news and the constant stream of info felt like talking to her she was calm and considered yeah, and yeah. you know it's it's um nice to make contact with someone who's actually in the game um and knows this stuff mm. yeah i was thinking a little bit about it and i, I think firstly man hats off to people who work in our healthcare system yeah, totally. hey um, she's doing an amazing job and I'm very grateful to be able to have conversations with people like that who are just so good at what they do. Mm. And um, I think secondly, I was just thinking a little bit about it. Of, of course, I'm not a, a dad, but I am a husband. And a lot of the stuff that Asha was talking about, I think was just around intentionality and making the most of the opportunities you have with your kids. And I think it was think, making me think as a husband and like sometimes these moments are the moments you wish for you know, moments where life slows yeah, down and you yeah. can spend intentional time. You know, these are the moments you work really hard for so yeah. that one day you can spend time with your kids. Now, of course, that's a lot easier in principle than it is in action. But I think I'm just really um, encouraged to be a little more intentional with with the time that I'm making, with the responses I'm giving, with the, the actions yeah. I'm, um, you know, doing. Yeah, I think there's a lot there to continue to think about. Thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions for Dr. Asher or for us, you can email them through. The email is podcast at riverviewchurch.com. And if you heard something today in the podcast that really resonated with you, we'd love for you to share that with someone. Um, yeah, just click the share link and send it along. You can follow us along on social media at Riverview Online. Uh, fresh news is that we have now got a TikTok account. No. Yeah, I don't think there's much on there, but you can follow Good us grief. on at Riverview Online. Uh, and of course, join with us for our live stream celebrations. They happen at 10 a.m. Australian Western Standard Time, and they're available for 24 hours after the stream. Our music today is by the very talented Andrew Warong. Until next time. Keep having conversations. Everybody in here that's on the verge of a breakthrough, give God a rain dance right now.